and we're live. Hello and a very warm welcome to Not The 92 Extra with me, Greg Clark. As always, I am your host and I'm joined as ever by the mercurial magician from the kingdom of Margate, or as I call him, Tom. I hope you're all keeping well as we look forward to the new National League season, which is impending. But before we get introducing our brilliant guest tonight, we do pay homage to our sponsors. So as you'll have heard last week on, on last week's pod and the previous pods, we've entered into a partnership with renowned non-league kit manufacturing experts, Farrelly's Sports. Farrelly's Sport was established in 2018 with a vision to reinvent the relationship between the club and the supplier. I can personally vouch for this. I'm currently, my drip right now is a Billiam Synthonia home top and it's got not the 92 extra on the back. So thank you to Jamie, the CEO over there for um, sorting me out with this one. I look a million dollars. I'm sure he's both agree, boys. So <laughs> before we get, before we actually get talking about our guest tonight, um, I need to give a kind of, the mission statement for Farrelly's is basically, they don't take part, they take over. You can find them on Facebook by searching Farrelly Sports and also on Twitter. Welcome to the National League Party, my friends. Anyway, we're joined tonight by a very, very special guest and one I'm left with absolutely no doubt you'll be familiar with as one of probably, the, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the league. Now, Kyle obviously is going to agree with that. I'm sure Tom does too. But that's not the reason why we, why we got you on tonight because we're on to talk about a man who grew up in Lanechley. I hope that's how you pronounce it. And enjoyed a, well, is, is currently enjoying a good career. It's been at likes of Swansea City, Kilmarnock, Dundee, Blackpool, Salford City. And this chap is currently between the sticks at Chesterfield. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce the Welsh wizard. It's Kyle Levering. Kyle, what's been happening? Hi, guys. How are you? Okay? Ah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Like I say, just uh, oh, we're, we're recording this on a Sunday night and it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Like, what have you been up to this weekend? It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. I need to get you to be on my agent, I think. The way you introduced <laughs> me there. <laughs> oh, mate, I mean, bad research goes a long way, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. No, just, no just, just, just a quiet weekend for me. Uh, you know, just getting back to, back to pre-season tomorrow, hopefully. So, we'll go from there. Well, hopefully. Certainly do, of course. Um, it's been an interesting time. Because, um, I'm just after watching the Spurs Everton game. And, um, yeah, I was quite surprised there by how crap Spurs were. So, maybe if Lloris continues in his... Crap being a phone man, you make a week off a hose of mate. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, phone, my phone's on loud, yeah. Hopefully, I get a phone call tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, but see, if you need to come off after this podcast to take the call, mate, I think we'll both understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I will, uh, so, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll politely hang up on you if he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, but we can, we can rearrange, we're flexible. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess a good place to start is basically how you feel now the football's back. And now the boys are well back in training until what you what you just obviously told us off air there is um, is a new thing. So like, um, what, what's the update there? Um, well, obviously we played a game against. Uh, let me pronounce it. Is Belper? Is it Pelper on uh, on Tuesday night? Uh, so we all played forty five minutes each, and then the day after we were off anyway. And then we got a text message saying that um, that on th- we weren't allowed to report on Thursday to training because one of the backroom staff had. Uh, contracted coronavirus so um you know for safety reasons they have to keep us all away for a few days and that's obviously gone on to nearly a week now so obviously tomorrow's our last day off and then hopefully we're back in on tuesday but um it's you know it's hampered our our pre-season plans a little bit but um i'm sure we'll be doing double sessions to catch up so it's a bit of a you know a bit of a ball ache but um it is what it is i'm sure another week after five months can't you know, it's not, it's not going to harm you, but uh, yeah, all good. Ah, well, you know, I mean, you better get your kind of quiz, Zoom quiz game back on track then, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So, I mean, obviously the season was going to a halt, so suddenly back in March. And at the time, how did you feel about the prospect of not seeing your teammates, not kicking a ball for months? And at the time, we didn't know how long it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. It was you know it's all so, so strange time because obviously we were preparing for a game down at Exeter away, and then obviously before training we all got pulled in saying we all had to go home because the government were pulling the plug on all the football and all the obviously the stadiums and all the fans come to the stadiums. So the you know the game was postponed. So it was you know pretty much strange times. Uh, you know one that we'll never probably see again. 
yeah. but you know, leaving the trailer on that day, you know, I've uh, I've not been back. So it was um, a strange way to leave under strange circumstances. But um, you know, having then having five months off, not kicking a ball, not seeing your teammates, not doing what you love day to day, was um, it was tough. Don't get me wrong. You know, obviously you should. When you're when you when you play football, you're so active day to day. Then to go to doing nothing, all the gyms are shut. Um, yeah, it was uh, strange times, and obviously, then you're at home, obviously, which you're not used to being all day, every day. You know, I, I was pulling my hair out. I bought a road bike, me, and just started like cycling off all these miles, sort of thing, just to try and keep my keep my brain active. So it was, um, yeah, it was strange times, but one that one I'm glad to see the back of, to be honest. I think we're all not alone there. So we'll touch more on <laughs> Chesterfield throughout the interview. Um, but I suppose I'd like to throw it right back to the start and where it all began for you. You grew up in Lanechley. Is that how you say it? Lanechley, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my Welsh <laughs> teacher. I'll let you off. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my Welsh teacher took a lot of days off when I was at school, so, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was it like growing up there and what team did you support growing up? Well, um, you know, is I, I live in a little area called Davin, uh, which is in in Tlesley. Um, You know, we've got a big, massive cricket sort of foot cricket and football village, just like two hundred yards from my house. So I played both for uh, Davin CC and Davin Football Club, um, and that's where I got picked up really by Swansea City about age eleven, twelve. I went on trial. Um, as a goalkeeper, um, got took on at age 12 and then got given the YTS at age uh, sort of 16. So and, and that's where it all started, really. Um, in that town in Davin, you said, just outside Clinically, um, who are the kind of, what, team, what teams are the kind of main followers? Like, what kind of are the big teams around there? Is it Cardiff, Swansea, or is it English teams? Yeah, pretty much. Obviously, Clenetley have got a team themselves. Obviously, that used to be in the Welsh Premier League. Obviously, they've unfortunately went through a bit of a financial troubles. But um, yeah, it's either you know Swansea or Swansea or Cardiff that you find the main majority supporting down there. But obviously, because of my dad's connections, you know, I'm a big, massive Leeds fan. So I always have been since um, since day dot. So um, you know, it's, it's brilliant to see him back back in the big time, back where they belong in my eyes marching on together. So you began your career with <laughs> and what was it like coming through there and did anyone else you play with back then go on to have like a successful career with the club? Yeah, well, um, I say the year below me, but obviously we always played with our age group was um, was Joe Allen. So obviously he's gone, gone on to have a massive, obviously, international and Premier League and Championship career. Um, he always, you know, shone above everybody else ability-wise. He was a bit on the small side back then, so it really hampered him a bit. But um, he's gone on to prove people wrong that height doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily mean, mean everything in, you know, in this modern day. As long as you can, you know, pass it like Ekam, and you know, he's not frightened to put the foot in either. And he's gone on to do brilliant for himself. So obviously, he's what he's the main one that came out of my sort of youth team. Him and Sean McDonald, I think, he obviously used to play for Wigan, Bournemouth, and stuff like that. Um, other three that really went anywhere and, and you know made a future for themselves in the game. Who were the big characters around the club at that time? And like, are there any like kind of funny stories? Were you ever on the end of a massive prank that went wrong or anything like that? Um, not, not really. No, um, obviously the big characters would have been you know, the likes of uh, Lee Trundle and then the goalkeeper, obviously who I worked closely at the time with was uh, Willie Gerry. And Brian Murphy, and uh, obviously I remember being a 16-year-old boy looking at Willie Gary, absolutely <laughs> petrified for my life. Um, if I dropped the ball in training, he had, he had that sort of French arrogance about him. He used to tut and and uh, sort of tell tell me off and stuff like that. And I used to be like a little wee boy going, you know, I, I anything anything. If he said jump, I I used to say how I were. If I look back at it now, I should have had a bit more about myself and told him to, you know, to you know to. Um, Get to. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, mate. You can swear in this podcast. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go. I'll see. <laughs> now you've told me that, I'll, I'll let my tongue loose. <laughs> Can't wait, man. So you moved on to Newport County on a short-term loan midway through your time at Swansea. Um, that's where you made your career debut. I think we're right in saying that. Um, was the aim when you went there just purely to go out and get first team experience? 
Yeah, well, obviously, my keeper coach was uh, Tony Pennock at the time, and he was Newport's goalkeeper. Um, and he got injured, so obviously, he said to the Swansea, look, obviously, Newport looking for keeper. Kyle's available. I was third choice at the time at Swansea. Um, you know, can he come for a few games? You know, while while I'm injured, can he step in for me? Sort of thing. You know, obviously, also I went there. I think I went there for the month, and I was meant to play six games that month, and uh, five of them got cancelled due to the weather. <laughs> it was during that time where it'd been mad, mad winter, so five of them got cancelled. And and I remember playing away to my only game was away to Salisbury in in the league, and it was a big, massive welcome to the best thing that ever happened to me was a big, massive welcome to men's football because they found out before the game that I was sixteen. And they were big, massive lumps. Obviously, I wasn't exactly small then, but obviously, I was a sixteen-year-old boy going into men's football, and they lumped absolutely everything: throw-ins, corners, put everybody on top of me. And like I said, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was like, right, this is what I've got. You know, this is what I'm gonna, you know, get used to if I'm gonna make a career for myself. And um, you know, I'm so glad that I went there. And you know, I should have gone out obviously later in my, in my career, which we'll speak about later. I, I, I wish I never sat on the bench as long as I did. I wish I went out at a younger age and just played football. You know, even even if you are making mistakes, just go out and just, you know, just make the mistakes in men's football and, and, and get them out of the way sort of thing. But um, my sort of career didn't pan out that way. I was, you know, at 17, 18 years of age, I was sat on the bench in the championship, which was, like, you know, brilliant for me, but I didn't really play any games, if you know what I mean. You had spells at Barnsley, Doncaster Rovers and Plymouth Argyle. Did you perhaps wonder to yourself at that time, as you just said, you hadn't played as many games as you'd hoped originally. Um, were you wondering, am I going to stay in football as my career? Were you wondering if it's for you? Yeah, well, obviously that's, that was the stage where obviously I, was, I was at Barnsley. Um, must have sat on the bench about nearly 150 times at Barnsley in the Championship at age 18, 19 sort of thing. Um, you know the the chance never ne- never came never really came. Um, I remember I came on as a substitute in the uh, FA Cup um, against Blackpool. Uh, my de- that was my debut for Barnsley. Uh, we won the down. We ended up winning, winning the game two 0 Keeper kept the clean sheet. Uh, so I was obviously buzzing as you can imagine. Obviously the FA Cup draws on the Monday, so I go home. You know, obviously on Monday I'm thinking right, I've got a great chance of playing this. I'm the only fit keeper at the club. Obviously, look, uh, watching the FA Cup draw at home, so I'm thinking, look, just get a decent team that I can play. You know what I mean? Obviously, no, I don't want one of them big, massive ties because obviously they might bring another keeper in. So I'm sat in front of the TV watching the FA Cup draw with my family. Uh, yeah, we draw Liverpool away at Anfield. <laughs> uh, so I'm 19 years of age. Obviously, I walk in Monday thinking, you know, obviously, you know, might have a chance to play at Anfield here. Uh, manager pulls me in, and rightfully so, he just said, look, you, you're not. You know, you're not ready for that. Um, that's a different kettle of fish. Yeah, so we were bringing a keeper in on loan. So obviously, you know, I was waiting all that time for my chance, and then obviously he gets pulled from under your feet because of the, you know, if maybe if we had drawn some sort of Grimsby away, or a, you know, they might have played me, but you know, but because it was Liverpool at Anfield, um, they sort of pulled it from under my feet, which is rightfully so because I was no, I was nowhere near ready for that game. And they brought in Luke Steele and uh, he ended up going on and having man of the match and beat Liverpool at Anfield 2-1, which, yeah. you know, which I was sat on the bench for. But, um, you know, it was a surreal experience. And, what you know, one that's, again, even though I didn't play, it stood me in great stead, you know what I mean? Because, you know, that that sort of rejection, that, not rejection, but obviously being, you know, told you're not, you're not, you're not ready to play at that age was, um, was tough to take, but it was the right decision, as hard as it is to admit. Yeah. Am I right in saying the round after that was Chelsea at home as well? And Coyote Odejaye was up front. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got the win. He, he battered big John Terry and Cavallo around that day like they were ragdoll. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I bet obviously the Champions League centre halves and he was just bashing them. To be fair, he was the strongest man I've ever uh, seen in my life. And he, he didn't lift away. He was just an animal. He was just a big, strong, quick. So raw, but that day he was unplayable. I remember him getting up at the back stick and I think he knocked over Terry and um, who was the keeper uh, that time. I forgot who it is, but he, he bundled Czech? them both over the line with the ball, yeah. the back stick. No, I wasn't check. It was the, I think he's the keeper coach there now. Hilario, is it? Oh, Hilario, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He'd be bundling both over the back stick and, and put it in and then. And then we ended up playing playing Cardiff at um at, you know at Wembley in the semi final of the FA Cup. That's amazing. 
I mean, that's it. I mean, obviously you you're on the bench in these high profile games. Did that really? If you if you almost if you almost played in those games, did that really spur you on to move away to then get? to that level where you're playing at big stadiums week in, week out in front of massive crowds in that high-intensity matches? Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly that. Because, um, you know, I was training with Barnsley First Team every day, travelling with them. So it gave me that experience of, you know, this is what it's about. This is how you have to apply yourself to be, you know, if you're going to be a, you know, be a goalkeeper, this is how you have to apply yourself. Um, and, it, you know, it couldn't have been a really better experience without playing, if you know what I mean. But it came a time then where, all that was over and I was like a free agent trying to find myself another club and you know, everyone was going, well, how many games you played? Yeah. And that's where, it's, that's where I sort of shot, shot myself in the foot really where, you know, maybe I could have gone to like a, you know, a Geisley or a, you know, somewhere local around Barnsley just to get that adult, you know, maybe get 30, 40 games. But, you know, due to the circumstances, I sat on the bench in the championship, which no kid at my age is going to turn on and say, "No, I want to go on loan." If you sat, you know, if you got a chance to play play uh, championship football, that uh, might come on or whatever. You know what I mean? Then you're going to stay and thing. But it did really hamper me later on in my, in, my, in my career. I think it's fair to say your career really took off when you moved north to Scotland. Um, how did the Kilmarnock move come about? And can you remember where you were when you first heard of their interest? Yeah, um, well, it happened because uh, I was due to sign for um, for, for Motherwell. Uh, I think uh, John Ruddy got injured for Motherwell or something, and uh, the other boy, Michael Fraser, they, they needed another keeper. So I've, I've travelled all the way up to Motherwell thinking, right, I'm signing. But because I played for two teams in England in that season, uh, the SPFL blocked the move. And Craig Brown, being the man he was, obviously, he said, look... Um, I know we can't sign you. We'll run with the young kid, but I want you to stay here. We're going to pay you uh, just to train. We'll put you in a hotel for the, next, for the next three months. I want you to stay here and train, and then obviously have a look at there being something next season because um, we'd be after the goalkeeper next season. So obviously he didn't have to do that, so, but he just speaks wonders of the guy that you know he, he sorted me because obviously I couldn't have played for anybody else that season, whether it be north or south of the border. So basically, I got paid to train. At Motherwell, uh, you know, when finances really were, you know, were an issue back then as, as well, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, he, he really looked after me and I ended up playing a reserve game against, uh, against Kilmarnock and did really well. Um, so obviously I told my agent to really well against Kilmarnock. He picks up the phone to Kilmarnock. Um, Jim Calderwood was the manager that time and he was like, yeah, I'll sign him next season. Uh, Jim Calderwood ended up leaving that, that year and um, but the keeper coach kept in touch with Billy Thompson. And uh, yeah, he brought me in that pre-season, and it was um, and then sort of never looked back. That's where, where it sorted, sort of started picking up uh, sort of pace in, in, in my career. Because back then, Motherwell and Kelly both had quite competitive teams in the league. At Motherwell, did you train with a guy called Paul Slane? Might have. I don't want to be rude and but say no. He was a young uh, boy, young young boy yeah. back then, like the, the, seventeen, the, eighteen. The, the, it, the name does ring a bell. Um, I'm not sure where from, but it definitely does ring a bell. Uh, so, of course, you then moved to Kelly, and Jimmy Calderwood was due to sign you. He leaves in the summer. Um, then, of course, big Mixo comes in. Now, the outside perception of Mixo Patelainen is he is a nutcase, right? Looks hard. Was a very good player, in fairness to him. So, when he came in, was he still happy to sign you? Like, that transition was going to be okay? It was all smooth? Yeah, well, uh, well, I was due to come up to sign, but he was like, well, look, I don't know this kid. You, you have to come up and earn yourself a deal sort of thing. So I was there pre-season, did really well uh, that pre-season. Um, did really well. And then he ended up signing me sort of the two weeks before the season. But obviously they had sort of Cammy Bell there um, at that stage who did really well the previous season. So it was the case of, look, you're going to have to fight for your place. Um, and, you know, obviously... Going from what I heard, Cammy was sort of really injury prone, but you know, sort of back then. So I was like, "Look, I'm going to have to take the chance." Of, you know, and him getting sort of injured, and you know, obviously to his to his downfall with my game that he ended up getting injured, and I ended up getting a, you know a, a few games in my first season, first season, and then uh, obviously winning the league cup with them as well. Yeah, we're actually going to come to that, um, because that was under Kenny Shields, but on mix of part of lining. When he left to go, he actually left to go to the Finland national team job. Um, he since came back to Scotland, and it's fair to say I don't think he's replicated the success he had at Kelly um, with Dundee United, and, and obviously yeah. since then. Are you surprised at that? Because was he a top manager? 
He was a good manager, but I think he, he landed a good set of players uh, at Kilmarnock at that time. And he got a formation and a player in Eremenko that was an absolute player that shouldn't have never been at Kilmarnock, it, it, um, in my, you know, obviously my opinion. But he was, and I think he got the big boy Conor Salmon to move, <laughs> move to Wigan because he just kept supplying him with goals. Um, uh, yeah, and Mix used to said whenever whenever we get the ball, the first person we should look for was him and the little boy Medito at the time was again a very good player. And he said to Connor Salmon, whenever them two get the ball, don't even come to feet. I just want you you're quick. I just want you running behind and, and he'll find you. And we were so hard to play against because we just defended as a as a as an eight, kept these two number tens in the pockets. As soon as we won it back, we give it to them. They were magic on the ball. Connor just runs in behind and we used to just hit teams on the sort of counter attack and um you know, we got massive success for him, mate. and obviously Mixu got his move, obviously back to his, his um, back to the Finland national team, you know, from 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 the back of that. So it, for me, it was always going to be hard for him to come back and replicate that with with the players that he had at Kilmarnock at that time. We had a really good bunch, and obviously, as you can tell, which which I just said, we you know, we ended up going on and winning obviously the League Cup with the majority of them as well. Of course, eh, we'll come to the League Cup victory. Of course, um, we actually do have a question sent in from a Kilmarnock fan. Uh, this one is from Andrew Slater. Alexei Aramenko is by far the best Kelly player I've ever seen in my lifetime. What was he like off the pitch? It seemed like he lived like a playboy, but got away with it because of how amazing he was technically. Um, he kept himself, you know, he was just one of them, you know, crazy sort of Russians, drink, drunk, obviously a night out, drunk neat whiskey, sort of, you know, didn't say too much. Um, you know, kept himself to himself. Um, you know, he'd, the, the stuff he did say he'd listen because he was, you know, he was that good a player sort of thing that you couldn't listen to. But you know, we just used to give him the ball. <laughs> you, know, you do the rest, mate. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just find you the ball because he, he practically, obviously, got us where we got to that season. It just through through him sort of thing. So, you know, we had a good hard working bunch, and we had a you know massive quality player in in him. But uh, you know, he weren't no, he weren't no playboy. He was, he was a family. A family man with, um, you know, you know, with with kids. From what I've seen, you know, obviously, and um, yeah, but a phenomenal player. You mentioned, of course, um, it was a it was a, a good bunch at Kelly. Would you go out quite a lot in Glasgow, like Kilmarnock and that? Uh, yeah, we obviously we had the odd team night out and stuff like that. So you know, we weren't, um, you know, we used to like, we used to like going out as a team and stuff like that because I think it, I think that helps every club you go to. I think you've got to get to know them personally because you know going in their day to day sometimes you don't talk to them you don't get to know them as well some boys are a loose cannon with a drink, with a drink <laughs> inside them as you're as as you're aware um but but um yeah we didn't go out any more than than what what we sh- you know shouldn't or shouldn't should have been we just went out on the sort of the the old um the old team nights out whenever they were you know whenever they were sort of thing yeah we had um, Lee Clark on Not the 92 Extra a couple of weeks ago, who obviously went on to manage Kelly. And he said he was based in Troon. He loved it because it was right by the seaside. There was great pubs. It was quite quiet down here. That really suited him. I think if you're a player, I know a lot of players do live in Glasgow. Were you based in Glasgow yourself? Sorry, mate. My little was just trying to get in the door here. Sorry. That's all right. Can you share that again, mate? I no problem. So we had um, Lee Clark on the show a couple of weeks ago. And he um, obviously went on to manage Kelly a few years after you left. And he said he loved it because he was based in Troon. Now, in Troon, it boasts a lot of great golf courses, great pubs. It's on the seafront, really nice restaurants, and it, it suited him. But I think as a player, it wouldn't be as appealing because a lot of them live in Glasgow. Were you based in Glasgow yourself? Yeah, I was, I was pretty much based, based uh, the West End of Glasgow. Uh, I lived with a big boy um, in Glasgow Harbour, Killian Sheridan. Oh, um, yeah, for a good few years, and obviously the sheriff, kind of, yeah, 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 the, the sheriff, yeah, obviously, you know, <laughs> he's quiet, you know, he, big Killian, big lovely lad, quiet and stuff, but on social media and stuff like that, he's mad as they come. Put a drink inside him, he's mad as they come, but you know, but a great lad, to, obviously, to be around and got some good memories with the with big Killian. Oh. I lived in Glasgow Harbour for a few years with him, so he was, um, he was, you know, he's a good big lad. Because I think he owned that flat, didn't he? Because he's, he's been on Open Goals podcast recently um, with Cy Ferry and he was talking yeah. about how he had Mo Kamara up. He had like so many Tommy Gravison and Roy Keane used to go to his flat and all yeah, that. Yeah, he, he, he's just like a big, just like a big student. He's, 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 he's uh, big, big, big Killian. Um, 
uh, yeah, I remember obviously living with him a few years in Glasgow, in Glasgow, Glasgow Harbour, and it, it, the place was just like a bomb site. We never used to clean up after ourselves. We used to just used to go on a night out, and then obviously get up on a Sunday, put the same clothes back on, and go 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 again. Just uh, obviously, you know, just not not a care, not 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 a care in the world, big Killian. But uh, then he can just turn up on a Monday and, and flick a switch and put it on, and he was just, you know in training. You can leap, you can you can score goals, and He's gone on to have a decent career for himself. Certainly has. So Mexu leaves and Kenny Shields comes in. Um, what was your relationship like with him? Um, I don't think he was rating me, to be honest. Um, he, he obviously, you know, one of the people I always wanted to prove wrong. He said that I couldn't handle an atmosphere. I couldn't handle, you know, he told me this to my face, that I couldn't handle... Um, I said, I'm brilliant in training, but I can't handle uh, games in front of crowds and stuff like that. Like, but... I think sometimes Big Kenny didn't. Uh, Kenny never used to think what he used to say. He just used to say it, and then he used to hit the headlines. And all the boys like I remember one day we got battered off Celtic. I think it was four or five nil. And he came, he came in the press and he said like, "Yeah, we were a better team." I'm just thinking, does he just say it just to you know just to hit the headline or something? Because either that or he's watching a completely different other game to what you know to what we were sort of thing. He had a bit of a potty mouth, um, you know, but he was really professional. Obviously, you know, in his training and stuff like that, I can't fault fault that. But I think he used to get himself in more 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 trouble than you know than, than what is worth sometimes with it, with what the stuff that he used to come out with. Yeah, I I vividly remember actually like uh, the amount of times he was pulled in front of the SFA just for like as you say quite um I think it's fair to say controversial <laughs> comments in the media. He, he just used yeah, to take them but, take but the media you, on. Yeah, but you could you could tell him as many times as you wanted, but he still go back out the, the the day later and say something again, and you're just thinking, obviously, do you not learn your lesson or? But um, that that was Kenny for you. He's very controversial, very, um, you know, what he thought was right. Uh, he's very opinionated. Um, you, know, you know, that was him. I remember playing the Hibs at way, and obviously he was big, massive playing out with them from the back, and obviously Hibs were giving us a high press, and it was one of my first few games in charge, and. Uh, obviously, I passed it out to Pascal centre half, and he's given me back. And Griffith, Griffith has closed me down, and I've knocked one long. And he's uh, coming at half time. He's what are you, what are you doing, kicking it long, sort of thing. He said, "What do you want me to do? Everyone else is marked. Like you know, I'm not going to just. Uh, what do you want me to do?" He said, "Well, I want you to like sort of cross and come out the other side." I went, "Oh, the fuck do you think I am? You know what I mean? I'm a... <laughs> if I, if I cross and come out the other side, I wouldn't be playing for Kilmarnock. That's for sure." <laughs> 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 I mean, there's playing out from the back, then there's uh, trying to pretend you're yeah, I don't know, Jasper Sillison, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but obviously, that's the way he wanted to play, sort of thing, you know what I mean? And, it, and you know, obviously, back back then, it was just coming into the sort of game back then where it was like, you know, playing out from the back and stuff like that. But, you know, we, we didn't really have the sort of players back then, back then to, to do that sort of thing. Um, you know, that, that that was taken, Mixu wanted it, but he was like, look, if it has to go along, it goes where Kenny was. The, to the opposite, he was like, "No, we've got to play out regardless." We used to get himself in all sorts of trouble. Um, but then again, he's got a, you know he's got a, a big you know league cup winner next next to his name as well. So you know, like I said, you you, you can't really complain because we were superb that day. The way he set us up was uh, he's got to take credit for that as well. We're actually now arriving onto that topic now. Um, we've got a few questions in from some some Kilmarnock fans on this day because it actually serves to be quite a bittersweet day in the club's history. Um, I'm sure you know why. Um, obviously, I was actually at the game myself. I'm a Celtic fan, unfortunately. But um, uh, obviously, it was a very, very famous game. It was Neil Lennon's. He hadn't yet won the league, so he was still, still trying to prove himself as a manager. Then, of course, I had Kenny Shields. He was a novice to the managerial world, really. He had a nomadic striker, Dieter van Thornhout. No one had heard of him. And I don't know where he, I don't know where he went after the game, but he's now a hero. Now, of course... What, before we go into what is bittersweet, what are your own personal memories of that glorious? What should be a glorious day? Uh, I just remember it being a great game, sort of end to end, and Cammy Bell made a, one of the best saves I've ever, I've, I've seen live, uh, tipping Andy Stokes head around the post, um, uh, and then obviously we, you know, we were trying to stay in the game. We had pretty much most of the ball, sort of thing, um, and then big. Dieter putting in about eight minutes from time. Um, we were all just going wild, as you can imagine. Uh, the last sort of 10 minutes felt like 30. Um, so we were all, obviously, the final whistle went. We were all you know, celebrating, you know, going, going nuts sort of thing. We were all on the pitch going nuts. Um, you know, lift the trophy, then we come off come off the, 
and Kenny's there saying, no, no, stop, 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 we've got to go in. So we're all thinking, you know, you know, what, what, you know what, some lads are going, F off, Kenny, what, you to, what are you talking about, sort of thing, because they didn't know out of the circumstances. So obviously we've, you know, we've, we've come in and we've walked in the changing room and a few, a few of them knew and a few of them didn't, sort of thing. Um, you know, we got all got told to quiet it down, sort of thing. And next thing we just obviously see the team, me and Kelly, sort of, um, you know, obviously, you know, crying his eyes out, sort of thing. We all got told, and he was just, you know, couldn't you, you know, something that should have been um, a big mad celebration. You know, it was, couldn't you a pin drop in there? We were all just absolutely, you know, we've got boys in tears in the dressing room. You just want to cup file, and we've got boys in tears, run rightfully so because of the circumstances. And, um, yeah, well, like I said, like you, like you said, only way you can describe it really was sort of bittersweet, and um, you know, it, it it wasn't a nice place, you know, to, to just to a change room to, to sort of be in in that circumstances, and one that hopefully, I'll sort of, you know, I don't really want to experience again. You know, I mean, it was you know pretty hard to sum up in words, but it was a it was an awful sort of event that happened, and uh, um, yeah, I've actually played against Kells obviously last season, I believe that Coventry sort of thing. Obviously, I think that's the first time I've seen him since, you know what I mean? So, um, but um, yeah, it was, a, it was a tragic event. Of course. And how does a team celebrate uh, a game like that in, the, in those circumstances? Can you celebrate? Well, obviously, we got took back to Kilmarnock. We had an open top bus and we didn't know, obviously, you know, if, if he had obviously passed away or what was happening at that time. So, I remember um, you know, all of us got pulled in the group and they said, look, we have to, we've got to celebrate it for what it is, sort of thing, um, without going over the top, sort of thing. Um, so we were on the open top bus, but, you know, it wasn't what it should have been. Obviously, for the fans, it was brilliant and stuff, and it was great atmosphere on Kilmer, Kilmer being on that open top bus. Um, but obviously, in the back of everyone's heads was, obviously, obviously Liam, all of our thoughts with, with Liam at the time, sort of thing, so... Like I said, it was um, you know we would have liked to have celebrated different, but circumstances dictated that, and and, and rightfully so that you know got to respect uh, Liam and his family as well. You must have had a few beers though after winning a league cup against Celtic, the best team in the country by a mile. Like the players like Victor Wanyaba, Fraser Forster. I mean, there's a team, a Champions League yeah. team in effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't see we, you know, we we had a steady few sort of thing to put an event back on at their. Um, at the hotel and stuff, and uh, you know, we just sat there having a few beers and obviously just trying to enjoy it for what it was, sort of thing. But it should have been obviously completely different. You know what I mean? It was. I'm not getting wrong. It was good, but at the same time, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, you know, you know, lower key than what it, what it would have been. I would have imagined. I'm pretty sure Buffy Clyde were at that celebration as well. Am I right in saying that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, so so much that I, I know. I must have had a few too many, too many. But I can't remember that. But um, yeah, but it's that's what. How many years ago now? It was twenty eight years ago. Yeah, eight, yeah, eight years ago. A long time ago now. So <laughs> yeah, I, I remember quite a lot, but I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, just on that, you mentioned the open top bus there. Of course, um, did you enjoy a good relationship with the Kelly fans? Um, yeah, you know, obviously every every time, obviously you know, lovely people in and around the club, lovely people at the club, uh, and the fans always got you know got be, got behind us, home and away. So you know, obviously I was you know when I when I when I played there, I was always sort of you know under the are you better than Cammy Bell sort of um, era because he was a hero at the club after that. You know what I mean? So obviously I had to try and obviously put you know push Cammy as hard as I could, sort of thing. Um, didn't really materialise as much as as much as I wanted. Only managed to play what 10, 12 times for Kilmarnock. But you know, every time I did play, you know, I played to the best of my ability, sort of thing. A few not so good games, you know, as a keeper at that age, you know, just sort of started out your career. But um, I had a few decent games as, as well. You know what I mean? But um, you know, pretty much after Kilmarnock is where obviously my career sort of really kicked on then. Well, of course, you love Scotland so much, you bought the company. So you moved to the City of Discovery to sign for Dundee. Now, I think it's fair to say um, you, know, you became a bit of a fan's favourite there, and we'll get on to that. Um, do you remember where you were when you first heard of their interest? Well, I'm back in Wales thinking, right, look, I've, I've only played sort of 20 games in my career. You know, watch, you know, I'm sort of 22, 23 years of age. 
at the time, you know, what, you know, what's going to happen? You know, I said, you know, the next move, wherever I go, it has to be to play. You know, it can't be to be a number two again because then after that, I'll just get forgot about. Uh, so obviously, you know, I had interest from other clubs, but again, it was just like sort of that sort of, or oh, be the number two sort of role. So I was like, no, I don't want any of that. And I had a phone call after when I was back in Wales one day, the phone call off uh, John Brown, look, will you come up for a few days just to me let you see you? Billy Thompson's given me a great reference, such a man. Obviously, Billy and um, Bomber Brown worked together at Rangers for a long time, so they trusted each other. And I went up to Dundee, and from minute one, I just said, you know, I just hit it off. I remember being there for a week's training, probably the best I've trained in a week. At a club bomber was like, obviously, look, we're signing you. Definitely, you're going to be my number one. I'm going to give you the chance that you've that you've that you've craved. And um, yeah, never really looked back after that. Really, it was probably you know, I even look back at it now as was probably one of the best times in you know, in my career because obviously what happened that season as well. But obviously, from from the stuff off the back of that that I achieved also. What was John Brown like? I love Big John, to be honest. Obviously, if you can be more people like that in the game, you know, what you see is what you get. Um, no mincing of his words. Honest as the day comes along. Maybe not the best, sort of, tactically, but he got the best out of you, sort of, you know, he, what he demanded from you. Um, uh, yeah, but, you know I, 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 you know, I loved him. Big, hard man, big, massive hands, crunching handshake. I remember shaking his hand first time, thinking... Right, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not messing with you, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I loved him. What you see, you know, if he didn't do something right, he'd be straight on you, and uh, you know, he could flip a switch, all right. You know, if it, when he flipped, you, you'd, you'd listen, all right. That's for sure. Who were the good players in that dressing room? To, to be honest, we, we had experiences. What we had with the likes of Gavin Ray, um, Peter McDonald, uh, Kevin McBride, Gary Irvine. So we had a lot of sort of Matty Lockwood. We had a lot of uh, experience in the in the dressing room. Uh, then you've got the likes of you know Martin Boyle, who's gone on to do well for himself at Hibs and Austra- obviously been called for Australia. I've seen as well. So we had a really good um, mixture, which really stood us in good stead towards when it got nitty gritty towards the end of the season. We that's where I find we won it over Hamilton because we had that sort of you know, more experience in the know-how games, how to get a result and sort of they were a bit younger than us. But, um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, a really st- you know, strong, experienced squad which uh, which really got us over the line in the end. Yeah, because you won silverware yet again, um, winning the, as you mentioned, the 2013-2014 championship title on the final, final day. Now, I think you're particularly remember for making a, a great save in the last minute to deny Hamilton the title. Um, what was that feeling like when the when the final whistle was blown and you knew you'd played your part in history? Um, to be honest, when the final whistle blew, I just had pins and needles all down the back of my legs, back of my arms, and everything because of the scenario of the day. Obviously, with Hamilton beating Morton ten uh, <laughs> two, I just remember uh, I just remember going to get, uh, Craig B coming on about seventieth minute, shouting to everyone. Um, Craig B used to be a bit of a wind up merchant, and he came on and just, he had like Hamilton away winning eight two. So we were two two and up at Dumbarton at this stage, and we were thinking, "Well, shut up, beat seven, go and beat shut up." So I remember going to the um, Dumbarton at a corner when I get a ball, and the fans screamed to me, uh, "Dumbarton are winning eight two. So I'm thinking, "Oh no, here we go," sort of thing. Well, yeah, what's that result about? Um, so anyway, Dumbarton ended up getting a pen, pulling it back to two one. I go, I go get the ball at the back of my net, and somebody screams, 9-2 Hamilton." So, as you can imagine, it was batting down the hatches for the last sort of, t- you know, 10 minutes. Again, it felt like felt like an eternity, that 10 minutes. I just remember the ball being out the right-hand side and Paul McGinn, I think he was, putting a crossing and, and Brian, uh, Ryan Brunt, no, who was it? Prunty? Ryan Prunty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Obviously, just headed it back across me. And I just thought, I'm beat, I'm, but I've got to dive anyway because he put it right in the corner, just dove full length. And it bounced just in front of me. I've ended up getting a fingernail and putting it around the post. And the roar afterwards was just, you know, phenomenal sort of thing. But obviously, I didn't get it at that time. Obviously, then obviously Hamilton went on to win 10-2. And, you know, if the Barton had scored, they would have, you know, we would have stayed down and Hamilton would have gone up. So you can imagine the the atmosphere at the, at the time sort of thing. And that was pretty much the last sort of kick, last kick of the game. So it was, uh, you know, phenomenal. And then obviously the pitch invasion. You know, I didn't manage to get off the pitch for that. I think for five minutes after that, it was um, probably the best feeling I've had in football to date. 
I was going to say, I mean, does that like um, emulate or is that better when in the League Cup with Kilmarnock? Because you obviously didn't play that game. Like, you played a key, key part in history here. Yeah, so well, I think, I, I think I, I, yeah, I, I only played once for Kilmarnock in that League Cup season, I think against, against East Fife or something at home. So obviously, you know, I can't, I as much as I've got the winner's medal, it doesn't really, it doesn't, it doesn't really count because I only played, I played one game out of the whole competition. But, you know, to, to play the full season and, you know, to have such an effect in the last game of the season like that, it was, you know, like I said, the feeling. I don't feel I'm, I'm still trying to crave it because it's, uh, it was, you know, it was a massive buzz, and I'm, you know, that's why you play football, really. It was, uh, you know, very surreal. Of course, um, that must have been a wild night out after that. <laughs> yeah, it was mad. Obviously, we had a we had a do back at the at the hotel. Um, Back at back, you know, back in Dundee, we had a, obviously the Player of the Year do this the following night as well. So it was like a mad two days, and then obviously we went on to um, an all inclusive sort of uh, two days in Ibiza after that as well. So <laughs> I think we were sort of sort of drunk for a week afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. Did you go to Fat Sam's? Can't remember. I'm surprised <laughs> I didn't come home in a coffin. To be honest, I think I think my wife thought I was going to come home in a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, like yeah, that was a big, big achievement. And you mentioned, of course, the Player of the Year dinner was there like, that kind of time as well. You became something of a fan's favourite there, and I know this personally because I spoke to a few Dundee fans. Um, you won the Supporters Association Player of the Year. What was your relationship like with the, the, the Dundee fans generally? Was that amazing? Yeah, phenomenal to be honest. Um, I don't think I've had a relationship like it. Um, I just hit it off with them, uh, put a few good performances through, you know, throughout the season. Keeping nineteen clean sheets always helps as well. You know what I mean? I think it was nineteen twenty clean sheets that season, so that always helps when you're keeping clean sheets. The fans like you regardless. You know what I mean? So, uh, but but I put in a few big performances that season. Um, you know, they always got a, got behind us home and away. I remember the first game the season we played Queen of South away, Queen of South away got. Battered three, three, four, one. I think it was. And we had two thousand there. You know, we, I, I, that was in the Scottish Championship. So, you know, it really opened my eyes to like Jesus. You know, this is a big. You know, this is a big club. If they're bringing that to in the Championship away to Queen in the South, so um, yeah, phenomenal fan base. You know, loved my time there, and um, yeah, one I look look back on. You know, you know, fondly really. Did you have a good relationship with Paul Hartley? <laughs> yeah. When, you know, when he when he came in, obviously th- I was thankful I wasn't out for player because he did like a pre-season in the middle of middle of the season. Didn't think the boys were fit enough, um, so I was just thankful that I was a keeper and didn't have to do the running. Um, but <laughs> you know the boys didn't like that. They didn't like that part of it. But yeah, you know, we just had to get on with it. But the results sort of, I think when he came in, we came in for like sort of fourteen games and we won. I think it was eleven of them, keeping like nine cleats and like nine clean sheets in them as well. So. Obviously, the proof's in the pudding. Obviously, he, you know, he sort of finished off what Bomber started. Um, you know, but you know, I didn't have a bad relationship with him at all. But obviously, you know, that summer then when he brought in, you know, obviously uh, Scott Bain, I knew, I knew my sort of, you know, when you signed one, he only signed one player from his previous club, and that was Scott Bain. So it was like yeah. the, the writing was on the wall for me, really. Um, uh, and you know, I, like I said, I, I asked him that summer. Look, obviously, I don't want to go back to being that number two. I've just had a big, you know, big great season sort of thing. And he, he said, look, no, you're not gonna. And uh, I ended up starting the previous, obviously, season, uh, the next season in the Scottish Premiership as, as well. So it was, uh, you know, I didn't have, you know, didn't have a great relationship with him, but didn't have a bad one either. I mean, it was just, uh, just uh, as it was. Yeah, of course, because when you get promoted, um, Hartley was very ambitious to, he wanted to be in the top six that year and you achieved that. And that squad was a pretty good squad looking back on it. You brought in McPake, Simon Ferry, um, you brought in the likes of, well, Bain obviously came in. Yeah, um, Thompson. So, that's right. I mean, he played the you know, UEFA Cup final only a couple of years mm-hmm. earlier than that. So very, very good pedigree the players had. Um, did you feel like there was a, almost like a kind of psychological shift in what that team felt they could achieve from the, pre- the first year to the second year based on who they brought in? Yeah, obviously, we, you know, when 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 they brought in the players like James Pay, Kevin Thompson, or uh, uh, Greg Stewart, and all that, okay, you know, came in, um, we give ourselves a right chance. You know what I mean? Obviously, I think the first first two games we were scratching about for a bit of form, but then we we went on a bit of a run. Um, 
a bit of a run. We beat, you know, I think we picked up three or four wins in the first sort of six games. So we were always up in the top half sort of thing. Um, and that's where um, I think after about 10, 12 games, I sort of, um, I got caught. obviously I remember playing Celtic at home. We drew one each and I got called up to the to the Welsh national squad after that, um, after that game. Um, obviously went away with Wales and then came back and the first game after I came back I ended up getting injured myself so it was like you know big massive sort of highs and lows sort of thing I mean it was um, you know it, again we've just been you know my whole football career the highs and the lows you just got to take them for what they are and don't let the highs get you too high and don't let the lows sort of get you too low you know what I mean how much did that annoy you when Griffiths took that shot and that one each game? You've probably got it covered, but then the deflection takes it just away from you. Was that just frustrating yeah, yeah, as hell? Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Obviously, you always know you're chasing shadows in the end, then you're like, you know, you know you're beat, but you think, well, I've got to dive anyway, because if I don't, then you're just going to get hammered off the, off, off the, off the press or off the, off the pundits anyway. So you just think, you just make a dive anyway. But I remember having a really good game, that, that, that game against Celtic. Uh, as well, and we were like, you know, we were a better team. We had some great chances. I remember going up one nil up early on, and I made a great save, tipped it over my bar from a from a set piece, I think it was. And we were just clinging on at the end. They made three or four good saves, and then obviously for uh, for a deflection to be an equaliser against Celtic was um, was a bit of kicking the teeth. But um, yeah, I was on cloud nine then as well because I already knew before the game that I'd been called up for Wales as well. So it was um, so it was um, yeah a great experience. Would you say that's one of the proudest moments of your career? Yeah, like I said, it was so 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 strange because um, I was on the way down to Loch Lomond to propose to my obviously my now wife, um, and my dad kept ringing me because we know I was on the way down there to do it. So I was like, "What's he keep ringing me for?" <laughs> so so I, I ended up ringing him. What are you ringing me for? And he was like, "Have you looked at your email?" I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm shaking like a leaf. You looking? Leave me alone." And he was like, "Just just check your email beforehand." So I was down the car on the way down, and my missus, "What's wrong with you?" But a smile from year to year. I looked down on my email. A message uh, from the Welsh FA saying he'd been called up into the European squad to uh, for Euro qualifiers against Cyprus and Andorra. So obviously, I had a smile from year to year. Obviously, then I got out of the car, Loch Lomond, shaking like a leaf, proposed to, and then told off the woods off. By the way, I've been called up for Wales as well. I mean, so it was like a massive, you know, some buzz. You know, I mean, it was like she well, she said hey. yes. Thanks. Thankfully, I was going to um, say yeah. <laughs> I, I think she wishes she never, but she said yeah. She said yeah anyway, and then obviously, so that was like um, a bit of a double whammy in one day. So, you know, like I said, massive, you know, coming from massive highs and then going away with Wales and then coming back and sort of getting injured and and you know losing your place in the team was uh, sort of you know just the stuff you've got to deal with as a you know as a player. Um, when you did join up with Wales, where was it? In Cardiff, obviously we joined up with Cardiff first, and then we went away, played away to Andorra, um, beat them two two one. I think Gareth Bale's got a late free kick. Yeah. And we came home and we drew nil nil to Cyprus, I think it was. Can't remember. I think it was, yeah. But you know, again that's a real experience going away with them sort of caliber players. Um, you know, a massive experience and one I look back on with you know, with great, you know, great great fondness again. And no one can take that away from you. There is one game, once you get back from international duty, there is one game I want to touch on what, during your time at Dundee in that second year. Dundee United 6, Dundee 2. Now, you're actually exempt from any criticism here, and you know why. Because you're, you get injured in the warm-up, don't you? And then, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I remember watching this game. Who the fuck was that goalie that came, actually played? Schenk? Arvid Schenk? Yeah, Arvid Schenk. You know what? He came over, obviously, from Germany. Mm-hmm. Um... And he, you know, in, in training he was decent. So obviously, when I got injured, I didn't think anything of it. So I was in the, in the dressing room, um, obviously after doing my doing my doing my quad, and um, uh, um, I, I hear the crowd going after about forty seconds. You know, I'm one nil down already. So I was like, oh god, here we go, sort of thing. So I got I got showered, came out of the shower. I think I was we were like sort of three nil down. I was like, oh no, what's up? What's, you know, or three one down, I think it was. So obviously, I come out for you know after 25, 30 minutes. I think we were like four four one down at half time, we went on to be six two, and I was just thinking in my seat, oh my god, what have I done, you sort of thing. But you know, he, he went, to be fair, I think he went on and had a lot of harsh criticism. Maybe yeah, he was, should have been you know, we'd done better with one or two. Um, but I think he was a bit of a, he got made a bit of a scapegoat that game as, as well. You know what I mean? As as keepers do when you come in for your first game. 
and conceding six, it's you know they pretty much get blamed for everything, don't they? So even if it goes in the top corners, the keeper's fault. You know what I mean? So um, you know, as much he didn't have the greatest of games, he did. You know, he he did get made him a bit of a scapegoat as well. And uh, I don't think you've seen him again after that, did you? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think the, com- <laughs> the competition was a little bit fierce. But then, of course, there was yourself. And then, um, just final, kind of approaching the end of the chapter on Dundee, um, your challenger for the number one jersey then was Scott Bain, of course. Um, what was he like in the dressing room? Because I feel like he just doesn't give a fuck. Like, but he's, he's so good like, when he plays games. Yeah, to be honest, to be honest he's, he's very laid back. Um, like you said, you know, doesn't really, you know, didn't leave criticism get criticism get to him. Doesn't leave good games. You know, he's just the same person from off the back then. I can only speak of. He's just the same person. Great to work with day in day out. Not a bad word to say about him. Great goalkeeper. Very agile for his size. Comes for a lot of crosses for his size as well. And you know, he's good, good with the counter attack and the distribution as well. But I knew that when it all obviously when we signed him from playing against him at Allower anyway, I knew he was a decent keeper. Obviously, he surprised me how good he was really. Uh, when he did come in, because obviously, you know, when he came in, I thought, right, I've got a fight on my hands this season for, for that number one jersey. But I, I knew I, I had to be at my best to, to sort of play. And he, to be fair, when he came in, uh, he hit the ground running, to, to be fair to, to be fair to him. He came in, did really well for himself. Um, we picked up a few results. He made a few great saves as well during that time. Um, and obviously, I came back from injury, couldn't really get a, you know, a look into it. Uh, I managed to play, I think it was the last two or three games of that season before I knew I was leaving before before then anyway. You know what I mean? Obviously, they just give him a new two, three-year deal and obviously mine was running out. So I was like, Look, I'm not going to sign you regardless because I don't want to play second, 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 you know, second fiddle year. And um, yeah, and, you know, that's, what, that's how it was. Were you sad to leave Dundee? And what options did you have upon leaving? Uh like I said, I, I, I went to see Paul Hartley in, in the January, that transfer window, and I said, look, Obviously, I didn't go to Oldham on, on loan. Um, you're on loan, sorry. Um, he was like, look, I can't leave you go because we've got nobody else. And I was like, well, obviously, can you not get somebody in? Obviously, I've, I've got to... Um, I've got to... I've got to... Um, you know, I've got to go back and get, get playing. Um sort of thing so he was like uh, look you know, I can't leave you go so I tried to do everything to get out because I was that eager to play but in the end he said, obviously because he said he couldn't get somebody else I don't know how hard he tried or not um, but obviously I weren't happy obviously then being for the rest of the sort of January, February, March sort of wasn't playing you know what I mean sort of knew I was looking for the for my next move sort of thing um, but ended up playing a few games before the end of the season um, and yeah that, that was that was it really so you moved to Blackpool um, after. What was it like to be in that environment? Because at that time, it was sort of at the peak of its uh, toxicity with um, all the problems with the ownership. Yeah, um, I remember going down there. Um, you know, I, was, I was, you know, pleased to get it sorted and get, you know, and get signed at such a, you know, such a good club. But I didn't really do my homework on them, to be honest. Obviously, I knew obviously the problems that they had, but I didn't know to what extent, sort of thing. But I remember playing my first game at Lancaster coming on second as a second half sort of substitute uh, and after 10 minutes all the fans walking on the pitch sit, sitting in the middle of the pitch and the game getting abandoned so it was a wide awakening how bad stuff was at the club and obviously how much they didn't like the owner sort of thing um, yeah so it wasn't you know I've gone from obviously a massive high at Dundee to obviously that environment wasn't and obviously just having the birth of my obviously little boy as, as well um so it was like you know going from massive high to a massive sort of low, and then another high with my with my little boy. So it was like you know a big massive mixture of emotions. Um, so you left Blackpool and uh, signed for York um, after their relegation from League Two. Um, that's certainly you know a club in the National League. That's that's a pretty big club. So when you went there, you must have been thinking they can easily uh, get straight back to the Football League. Yeah, well, obviously that was you know that obviously I think they had a, a bit of a bad start, but obviously I was I was at Blackpool for for a season, didn't didn't really get a look in a big Colin Doyle, obviously who's now at Kilmarnock, you know, strange how things work, but um, yeah, obviously I went there just again just to just to continue playing games sort of thing, and I ended up playing it was only a sort of twenty odd games for twenty five games to Kilmarnock, but I ended up winning obviously the 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 player of the year there in a in a, in a really struggling team really. Um, and also winning the you know the FA, FA trophy as well. So um, 
you know, on a per, you know, I thought on a personal, my performances were fairly decent, you know, for York, but we were always in a in a struggling team and ended and ended up getting uh, relegated with them. So it was, um, you know, as much as I wanted to go out and play, it was, you know, it was um, you know, a a bad experience because at the end of the day we we got relegated. You know what I mean? And you you got injured in uh, March 2017 of that season, and uh, Scott Loach uh, came in came in for you. Um, we surprised he kept this place uh, in the starting eleven uh, when you returned back to fitness. Not really, no. I didn't really have a great relationship with uh, the ma- the manager at the time. Um, I didn't believe in his his ways that he went about things. Um, uh, you know the way he went about his preparation for games and stuff like that. I didn't, you know, didn't really like it. Didn't really believe in it. You had to do what he wanted to do to to prepare for them games, um, and you know, it didn't really sit with me. And I think it really you know, it affected some of my performances as well. Where I was one of them, where I wanted to do everything right. Where he was one of them, where you know you had to go and do stuff on a Friday that I've never seen before in 15 years of football on a, on a, on, a, on a Friday. Um, and um, when Scott came, obviously because I get injured, I knew he was going to play if he was there. And Scott came in, did really, you know, did really well. And obviously, I knew I had that um, that that FA Trophy to play in. Um, so obviously, the games that I did play in, you know, in that FA Trophy against Lincoln in the semi-final, I did really well. Then obviously going on and winning the FA Trophy final as well, which was you know another great experience for myself. Um, so I'm just going to touch on your second spell with Plymouth. Um, what was different in the second season uh, with Plymouth in your second spell to the first season? Because the club went from playoff pushers um, to obviously relegation contenders. He did actually um, get relegated yeah. in the end. So, yeah, what was the big change in that second season? Um, do you know what? I, I really, just, I think it was just confidence, I think it was. Obviously, for I, I went there after, obviously, I, I left I left York and I, and I went there... Um, as a practically assigned there as a number three, because obviously the, after leaving the national league and get relegated, I was pretty much um, you know I had a few offers in the national league, but I wanted to try and get back to the league and play with sort of better players. Uh, so I went there as a number three, um, and within a week, I think I was starting in the first team because of injuries and stuff like that. Um, I think we used eight eight keepers that season, um, uh, but you know between obviously myself getting injured as well. Um, but I think it was just confidence. We started the season poorly in our second season, and we were always playing catch up. And then we, we we ended up, you know, really. I think we got up to twelfth. I think we were a twelfth in sort of April time, and then we just hit hit the landslide. We couldn't pick up couldn't pick up a win or a point for anything, and uh, the momentum really just shifted against us. And going into the last few games of the season, we were just, um, you know, we, we just couldn't really. Couldn't really get going, and the boys' confidence were, uh, were 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 shot to shot to shit, really. Yeah, and you got um, injured at Sunderland, I think, if I remember correctly, and uh, Macy came on for you. Um, and yeah, as you said, you were on, you were on really good form at the time, looking like you were going to comfortably survive. Do you think if you hadn't got injured um, at Sunderland and just carried on playing in goal, do you think the, do you think the season could have ended differently? Um, uh, you think you maybe could have kept them up? I'd like I'd like to think so, but obviously I wouldn't just put it on obviously myself sort of thing. That was probably the you know one of the best forms I'd been in uh, on a run sort of thing. Everything that got hit to me, I was just saving. Um, you know, I think I played 13, 14 on the bounce for, for you know obviously after coming in the team around December time, and we just went rocketed. I think we won sort of I think we won seven or eight out of out of the twelve that I, that I played. Um, and just making great saves and stuff like that, and then you know a bit of a story of my season, story of my career. To be honest, you know, whenever I seem to be sort of lift, lifting off a bit of form, I always get struck down with a bit of with a with an injury of of, of some sort, you know, which I've hopefully seen the back of now. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I can't say that I would have kept them up for definite, but obviously I would, have, you know, I wouldn't have gone wouldn't have gone down without the lack of trying. That you know, that, that, that that's for sure. But. Um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't have, again nothing but good things to say about the fans at Plymouth and um and um you know it's a great club. And obviously recently you've been at Salford City. Um what was it like playing their debut football league season? Yeah, obviously I, I knew about their interest um as I was playing for Plymouth really. So obviously I knew that I was um 
that I was, you know, sort of I had a good chance of going there. Um, you know, I went, you know, I went there. You know, you know, we got so much um, press, obviously, I think because of the owners and stuff like that. So I knew it was a really ambitious club trying to strive to go places. But um, um, yeah, it was a, again really good club, really well run, and um, I'm, I'm sure you'll see them in it. You know at least in League One, if not the Championship in the next ne- next few years. It was, um, you know, had a, had a good season there last season, um, you know, and um, you know, I couldn't have really done any more to try and earn myself a contract there after, you know, but, you know, this stuff happens before you move on sometimes and uh, I now found myself with a, with, a, with a fresh challenge. Of course, and that fresh challenge is Chesterfield, but upon leaving Salford, did you ever get a pint with the class of 92? Did I get a pint? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With Gary Neville and whatnot. Uh, to be honest, no. Obviously, obviously, the lads that um, they got promoted from the National League all ended up back in David Beckham's bar in Manchester uh, for a sing song and a guitar uh, after they won the National League. So obviously, I missed that. But uh, to be honest, you don't really see you see Gary Neville about the place and you see them at games, but they're, they're very like standoffish in the background. They don't, you know, they're not in your face and stuff like that. You might see them once at the training ground or something now and again, like, but you don't really see them. You only really see them at games from afar, which is the way I think it should be. Uh, but, you know, they just let the manager crack on with all that. They're not, you know, them owners that it's some, you know, owners in your face trying to pick the team, whatever. Obviously, they've, um, they're, you know, financially backing it. And uh, like I said, I'm sure you'll see them in, you know, League One, if not the Championship in the next next few years. Certainly, we'll, we'll certainly see. And now, just finally, of course, Chesterfield. Um, now you're at just of course, um, when the season starts, do you think the squad right now is capable of challenging for promotion? Obviously, I've only like you know, I've only been in five sort of five days, so um, you know I'm still trying to get used to everybody sort of name because obviously the situation that I told you about earlier in the show. Um, so I'm still trying to get used to everybody's names and obviously what players play where and stuff. And um, you know the first few days were. Um, were in small groups because of the coronavirus. We could only train in like groups of five and groups of six. So I'd met half the squad, but I hadn't met the other half the squad. So I think I'd only trained three or four days with them before um, the, the first pre-season game. So um, I couldn't really, you know, from what I've heard, yes, but obviously I'd be able to give you a better opinion of that, you know, in maybe, you know, not, not just yet, because obviously I've just, like I said, only played with them half for 45 minutes as a full, as a full team and trained with them for a handful of days. So, um, you know, like I said, I haven't, I haven't gone there to um, to just have a mediocre season. If, if I didn't think we could get promoted, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have gone there. Of course. Well, we certainly do wish you the very, very best for the season ahead. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. However, Kyle, every guest we have on, we subject them to the gun to your head round. Now, we'll ask you a few quick-fire questions and you respond as if you had the proverbial gun to your head, right? So, Kyle, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, question number one. Go, on, go for it. <laughs> Favourite song of all time? <laughs> Wonderwall. Adam Virgil said the exact same. Question number two. Favourite movie of all time? Uh, Gladiator. Favourite holiday destination? Dubai. Favourite player of all time? That would have to be... Ah, it's a hard one, that. What, you played with or... Played or with, anybody? yeah. Played, played with. Eremenko. Eremenko. Favourite match ever watched? It was um, Leeds v Liverpool at Ellen Road I remember Leeds being 3-1 down at home to Liverpool and Mark Maduka scored something like a 17-18 minute hat-trick to win 4-3. Um, I was at the game live, um, obviously, and as being, being a Leeds fan as I am, you know, I ended up being hysterical and it was probably the best uh, best moment I've ever witnessed, obviously best hat-trick as well I've ever seen, you know, to turn a game on its head. So, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say that one. Well, now we know more inside the life of Kyle Leatherham. Well, Kyle, it's been an absolute pleasure to gain an insight into your career and like your experiences and stories. And I'm sure the fans listening into the show tonight will get a will get a massive, massive lot of pleasure from uh, from listening to it. So, thank you very much for coming on. No worries, boys. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. Well, 
As always, it's been a pleasure to give you a candid insight into key individuals in the non-league world. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at NT92Pod or on Instagram at NT92 underscore pod. And if you have any questions for us, please do get in touch via email at podcast at notthe92.com. God bless, stay safe, and we'll be back with you very soon for another exclusive. Who is next? Watch this space. Thank you. Bye-bye for now.